This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, April 11th, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. With the Iraq progress reports of General David Petraeus and Ambassador Ryan Crocker now in the books, how has the debate over Iraq changed? Christopher Preble, Director of Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, says not much. General Petraeus gets most of the attention in these uh, in these hearings, but the truth is that most of the hard work uh, and the essential work is being done by uh, Ambassador Crocker to the extent that he can. The point is, of course, that Ambassador Crocker does not control what Iraqi politicians do. He does not have enormous leverage over Iraq's neighbors to cooperate in some kind of a regional uh, security framework. He does not have um, any operational control, obviously, over any of the security forces operating in Iraq, both Iraqi forces and American forces. So he depends upon um, greater security to allow uh, the State Department uh, teams, the provincial reconstruction teams, and other uh, work that's going on inside of Iraq. He needs that military support to be able to do his work. But at the end of the day, uh, the crucial decisions are, are, will be made or not made by by Iraqi politicians. And what we've seen over the course of the last few weeks is the extent to which Iraqi society is still bitterly divided, even among the various Shiite factions that we've seen uh, this uh, problem, this endemic problem inside of Iraq that the central government does not have a lot of authority, uh, it cannot dictate events uh, in the provinces, and therefore it is, it is heavily dependent upon its coalition partners and uh, a series of compromises that, if, that uh, many of the parties don't appear uh, willing to make. What is the impact of our vigorous debate over our future course in Iraq on Iraqi politicians to try to uh, coalesce. There there are two very different schools of thought about the, the impact that the debate over Iraq here in the United States is having back in Iraq. On the one hand, you have people like Senator McCain or Senator Graham or the president himself who believe that the key to making the Iraqis, uh, to convincing the Iraqis to make the difficult compromises is is a confidence that the United States will be supporting them, will be providing security for them, and that they won't be uh, in great danger following an American withdrawal. This is key, kind of keeping faith with people who are, some of whom are making some difficult decisions and who might be vulnerable uh, following a U.S. withdrawal uh, for having been seen as as cooperating too closely with the United States. And so this is a very, very, it's a compelling narrative, and it's also a very consistent narrative. It goes back for several years now that we we must uh, show good faith and keep our commitments to our Iraqi uh, colleagues and and friends. On the other hand, you have this really completely counter-narrative that says the reason why there has been relatively little progress and why even to this day, General Petraeus can say that the gains in Iraq are fragile and irreversible. The reason why that is, is because the Iraqi politicians do not have a great incentive to make very difficult choices, to make compromises, knowing all the while that the United States uh, is is uh, engaged in this open-ended commitment, and and there is no uh, kind of um, period in the in the future where where that uh, U.S. For presence will be drawn down. There is, there's a lot of talk about it, but nothing firm. 
there's a couple ways this has come out over the last few days in the hearings. And I think Senator Levin, in the very first hearing on Tuesday morning, uh, laid this out when he when he told this story of an American soldier asking an Iraqi, why is it that you're not spending some more of your money uh, to rebuild your own country? Why are, why are American taxpayers on the hook for this? And the response was, why would we do that if you're willing to do that? And I think that's a very it's a very logical story. At some level, it's it, you wouldn't um, begrudge an Iraqi politician making that kind of a choice. It's a wise choice uh, for them. It's just the question, of course, is whether it's a wise choice for us. And I think you're starting to see on the, uh, among the opponents of the war, particularly among Democrats, much more focus on the costs of the war and how these costs are being borne by American taxpayers at a time when the Iraqi government is enjoying something of a windfall from the enormous oil uh, uh, increase in the price of oil. And notwithstanding their infrastructure problems and the problems of getting oil to market, when that oil does get to market and the money flows to the Iraqi government, they're sitting on something like $30 billion and they're spending only a very small fraction of that on security, on reconstruction, uh, and on their own people. And so the question becomes, why, why is that? Why is the U.S. taxpayer on the hook for these things uh, that, that ultimately will redound to the benefit of the Iraqi people and you would think the Iraqi government? One would hope that the Iraqi government watching this debate going on in the United States would actually be, wow, we really need to be doing something to create a, a working, functioning uh, society and government here, is that necessarily the activity that would be spurred by right. a credible commitment to leave? The, the simple answer to that question is we don't know. We don't know how Iraqi politicians will respond to uh, this, the evidence of a growing American impatience with the mission. And the truth is that it depends on which Iraqi politicians. This is an exceptionally complex political environment. Uh, even Maliki's government is, you know, it's a coalition government. There are many, many different players, and they're all calculating their interests differently. The point about America's impatience with this mission and the, and the, and the war and the costs, there were a number of senators and, and congressmen who raised these issues over the course of the last two days. Uh, kind of stressing that the patience is wearing thin and trying to pin down General Petraeus and Ambassador Crocker on when the mission might be coming to an end or even when we might know when it might be coming to an end. We're, we're, we aren't even close to that. Uh, the, the problem is there has been evidence of, of the patience wearing thin now for a long time. This is not the first time that uh, members of Congress have have asked these questions. They came up in the September hearings last year. They came up in the course of the of the congressional campaign in 2006. They've been in circulation for a long time. So the notion that the Iraqi politicians understand that our patience is wearing thin is offset by the fact that they've understood that for some time, and yet we still haven't seen a dramatic change in their behavior, and, and you still have this violence, uh, the potential for violence lurking just below the surface and occasionally uh, kind of you know, exploding to the surface, as happened uh, late last month. Has the debate changed at all over the last couple of weeks, including these reports? 
I don't believe so. And I think, I think it came through very clearly in, in the hearings. On the one hand, uh, people who, who believe that the U.S. mission should be open-ended, should, the withdrawal should only occur based on conditions on the ground in Iraq, they can point to General Petraeus' statement that the gains are fragile and reversible. They will point to those statements as saying, see, it would be irresponsible to leave at this point because we would risk losing what we've achieved so far. On the flip side, the, the people who believe that it is in our interest to withdraw, and I'm one of them, to say exactly because the gains in Iraq are fragile and reversible after five years, we have no greater confidence they won't be fragile and reversible five or 15 years from now, given that it is in our interest to refocus our efforts elsewhere. The point is that the same piece of evidence, that is the resurgence of violence in, in late March, can be used by both sides to defend their argument. And we are truly at an impasse. Christopher Premble is Director of Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute and co-author of the analysis, Learning the Right Lessons from Iraq. It's available at Cato.org. <laughs>